Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening his word. Good morning. Our scripture today is from Romans, verses 7 through 12. Bibles are available in the seat back in front of you, and today's scripture can be found on page 943. My name is Melanie Brown, and I've been a covenant member here for over five years. I serve on the AV team back on the deck, and uh, here at the door, and my beautiful daughter, Claire, uh, joins the band on keyboard. Please join me in reading Romans chapter 7, 7 through 12, on page 943. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. This is God's word. Awesome. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Super grateful to be here uh, with you this morning. If you don't mind, just bowing your head uh, in prayer uh, before we look at the text. God, we're so grateful for your word. I pray that it would be a lamp into our feet, uh, a lamp into really who you are, that you would illuminate, uh, God, just who you are, your, your goodness, your holiness, your perfection. And God, in doing so, I pray that you allow us to see who we are apart from you, that we'd see the glories of Christ. Uh, in this text more clearly, that you draw us to yourself. Uh, we ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so the, the sermon title this morning is this, The Commandment Came to Me. The Commandment Came to Me. And um, the way that we're going to break it down <laughs> is we're going to ask the, 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 really analyze, The Commandment Came to Me three different times. And so uh, what that means is as, as we break this text down, I'm going to ask the law, kind of capital L-A-W, the law came to me, and then I'm going to ask the same, the, the same question, the law came to me, so that's capital C-A-M-E, and then I'm asked the same question again, the law came to me, and the idea is capital M-E. So it's asking the same, really, three, three questions or three statements, three different times, but really emphasizing it's the law, then it came, and then it came to me. Uh, and so this is how we're going to look at the text. And so this is a super interesting part of, of Romans. Uh, and Romans 7 uh, through 12 comes off an a interesting metaphor. And the metaphor is if a woman is married um, and, 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 and the husband dies, then she's free to have a new relationship uh, with another man. Until uh, her, her, her husband uh, dies, she, she can't. That would be an adulterous relationship. And the illustration's metaphor is that we were once married to the law. 
uh, that we had this, this belonging to the law, this devotion to the law of God, and to that law came to death, or really until Christ fulfilled the law, we are in this relationship with, with uh, the commandments. And because of Christ, we're no longer, because we had this death, uh, the death of Jesus really died our death and fulfilled the law. We have this new relationship because there's been a death to the law, and we're now we're devoted to Christ. We have a, a new marriage. We belong to another which is Christ through grace. And so uh, that's the illustrations one through six. And now Paul's asking a question that has to be, well, well if we we're married to the law, was the law bad then? And so that's, that's verse seven. What shall we say then uh, that the law is sin? By no means. So he's trying to explain what they'd be thinking if there had to be this death to the law unto Christ, a new devotion. Well, what does that, what does that leave for, for the law? Why, why, why the law? The purpose of the law, the commandments. Um, so we are in springtime. Uh, you may or not know that or not, but it's beautiful, right? It's, it really is. The last few days, we're really having a spring, and I love the change of seasons. Uh, it really just shows God's design and his faithfulness, it says in Scripture. Uh, the, 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 his, his mercies are shown through the sunrise, that he's faithful Every morning, as we look at that sunrise, it's like, man, he's faithful. Something that shows me his faithfulness and his character is just the continual seasons. Uh, it's just, there's a rhythm and a rhyme and a beauty to life that there is a creator and he sustains. And um, something that's really struck my attention is not the blue bonnets this year. I've seen several fields and real, really rolling hills, uh, particularly where my boys wrestle, of Indian paintbrushes. And they're incredible. Uh, I mean, just, it, 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 it's just painted red and um, I've done it several times. I just get Joshua and D. I'm like, do you see that field? It's, a, it's an explosion of fire. And, and, and we got to talk about what Indian paintbrushes are. Uh, and it just shows this life and beauty, the, the magnificent, um, like I said, the life and beauty of a flower. Now, I'm going to read something about the law and just what, what's going on in, in, in your own life in, in, in this scripture. It says in John 12, verse 24, it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so what's saying is, as you look at these flowers, as you look at wheat, there's a death occurred. It has to go in the ground. There's a death. And before you see this resurrection of life and this beauty, there, a death has occurred. And there's a natural order as you look at, at, at plants and flowers of reminding you of the greater truth of which Jesus is talking about, there's a death and I'm gonna die that death and I'm gonna have to, to go into the ground. And to have life, there, a death must occur, but there's gonna be a beauty and a life after death that will bear much fruit. Now, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just say, this is not only the way of Christ, not only the way of the world, this is the way of a Christ follower. A death must occur. It says this in, in John 12, verse 25, that just the next verse. Whoever loves his life, if you truly love your life, you truly value your life, which I know we all do, right? We all want maximum output for our life. <laughs> we, want, we want the best for our life. Whoever loves his life uh, will lose it. That's that death. We, to, to gain life, you must have a death. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it uh, for eternal life. And so I don't know what you think Christianity is, but it's about the death of the Son of God that, that, that yields a resurrected life. I don't know what you think your Christian life is about. It is, it's about realizing there, there must be a death to occur in your own life so you have life. 
So another way I just want to say it is no one can hug you into the kingdom of God. Like there's no soft selling it. Like there is a death that must occur in your life for you to have eternal life. It's acute. Acute means it's sharp. There, there's a distinct moment of conversion. And you may not always know the moment. I'm not saying yet that, that, that day. But there's a death to yourself unto Christ. If that's not how you came in, you haven't come in. And so this is what this interesting thing about the law. These hard words, these hard words, they're hard to hear. What I'm about to say is super hard and make you like, I don't like it. But that is to bring a death of you. To actually maybe even go back to the death of what occurred to remember what Christ is. But those, those hard words are meant to bring soft hearts, to bring a resurrection. Uh, so many times in even Roman series I've gotten to, is like, man, Romans has been hard to hear. And I'm concerned for you if that's your take, right? Because the more that we understand what Christ has done and who we are, like I want to hear about, man, the, 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 the depravity of me. You know why? Because that, I look at the, the righteousness of Christ. The more that I understand really my insufficiency, the more, sufficient, the more sufficient I'll see Christ in his glories. And so if Romans has been hard for you, I'm just going to say, man, it's because you're not beholding the beauty of which is Christ. You're still clinging to yourself to some degree. And so we got to keep going back to the death of Christ, which is, equals the life that, that, that we all long to grab. So again, the way I'm going to frame this is three different ways. The law came to me. The law came to me, and the law came to me. And then what's interesting here is another way you could say is until you've had three experiences with the commandments of God. I'm going to say, I don't know if you understand Christianity. Until you've had three experiences with the same law, the commandments, I'm just going to say, I want you to consider, have I understood what Christianity is all about? So the first aspect that I want to look at is the law came to me. It really says this in verse 7 and verse 12, that the, the law came from God. It displays his character and nature. So as Paul asked this question, what then, what then shall we say? Then is the law sin? He says, by no means. The law is not sin. The law is not bad. It, is, it actually says in, in verse 12, it answers uh, it just clear as possible, verse 12, so the law is what? Holy. The law is holy. And the commandment is holy. Set apart. It's perfect and righteous and good. So this is the first way the law must come to you. You understand? It is, it is displaying the very character and nature of our God's holiness. It is perfect. It's righteous and it's good. And we should love to see the law of God, because it's a display of his character. So uh, if, if you don't know what it's talking about, it's talking about uh, the, the Ten Commandments and the other commandments that came uh, to Israel. But what's interesting is I'm going to read Exodus 20, verse, uh, verses 2 through 17. As the commandments came to Israel, as it's coming to you, listen to the holy and the righteousness and the goodness that God is saying about who he is. It says this in verse 2, um, which I think is important to actually start in verse 2. It says, I am the Lord your God. Before the commandments, he's saying, this is who I am. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He says, I'm your God. And then he says, this is what I've done for you. You were in, you were in bondage. You were in sin. 
There was no way out. I delivered you, and now, now you're mine, and I want you to, to represent me, and here's, here's my character. Here's, here's, my, here's my holiness. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. He says, you shall have no other God, gods before me. You shall not make, uh, make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the heaven or in the earth beneath or in that the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It goes on to say, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who, who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and, and do all your work, uh, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who, who is in, who's within your gates. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth in the sea and all that is in them in the, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land uh, that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is in your neighbor's uh, basically possession. The law came to Israel. It's coming to us right now. And it's so beautiful. The first four commandments is really this vertical relation that we should say, God is our God. God is our God alone. The first commandment is really all about God. We should have no other gods before who? God. Why? Because God creates, God, God sustains, God is truth. He's not kind of the truth. He is the truth. He is the author of everything. He says, look to me for life. Why? Because I created it. There's nowhere else that you can find life. Then he goes to number two. Don't make any graven grave image or basically don't look to other things to give you life. It's the same commandment, just, it's just inverted. It's like, don't look, only look to me, don't look to other things. But in our lives, unfortunately, we looked at a lot of different things to try to find security, identity, power, meanings. Like there's no, there's no, there's no life apart from me. You know how gracious of things like to look to me because I am everything. Then number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. He says, I want you to think about who I am and my very, my very character and nature. His name, his name uh, is, is, a, is a window into his character. I want you to, to think on, on my name and have reverence in all and just stand, stand amazed because I am the creator. When there was nothing, I created I'm the God who saved. I'm the God who blesses. Look to my name. And as you speak my name, don't say it cavalierly, but with respect and with praise. And it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Rest. And what he's telling is rest. You think that you're in control of your life. He says, you're not. I am. Rest. Six days work hard. But realize on the seventh day, I'm the one behind all, all the things in your life. You can rest well. Why? Why? because I am God. That's all vertical. 
The, really, the first four commandments, like, just remember who I am. You'll be all right. That's it. Just remember my character in nature. It says in Scripture, God never changes. Does God sometimes change? He never changes. It's like, remember my steadfast love. Then it goes on to say, 5 through 10, honor your father and mother. And so just think about this. If your, mother, your father and mother is just seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, uh, having no other gods before, before him, and just revering God, praising his name, resting well, if they're, if they're following the first four, man, like the parents, like honor them. They are reflecting my care to, to you. I'm caring for you. It says, then do not murder which is, uh, I think it's a good one, right? Uh, don't, don't kill people. Like, they're image bearers. You're not the judge is another way you can say it. I'm the judge. Life and death is in my hands, not yours. Let me be the judge. Do not commit adultery. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Another solid one, right? Don't, don't, don't have relations uh, with, with other people. You have a, you, your eyes are for one, one person, your wife or your husband, that, that's, that's amazing. We know that that goes real well if you have eyes for your spouse. Relationships flourish if you're a one-woman man uh, and, and, and vice versa. It goes on uh, to say, do not steal. Another solid commandment from God. Don't take things that aren't yours. You're stewarding my stuff, not your stuff. And you should be, kind of the heart of that is like, you should be generous with my stuff. And you shouldn't take it. Why? Because I've given everything that you have. So you should not take what is not yours. Do not bear false witness. Don't lie. God is a God of truth. You should be a God of truth. Speak the truth. The truth will set you free. It's a good thing. Then it goes on to say, do not covet your neighbor's house, wife, job, or anything that your neighbor has. And we'll get more into the 10 here in a second. Now, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to play, play a game. I wish this was true. <laughs> I wish this was true, not only corporately, I mean corporately, just for our church family, but in the world and individually. Can you think what the world would look like in your own life or in the world's life if we would just obey the commandments? Do you think it'd be a good thing or a bad thing? It'd be amazing. Flourishing, we're operating God's design, there'd be beauty, we'd show his righteousness, his goodness. Man, this is... Dream with me. This would be incredible. Everything that is wrong with the world is because we are violating one of these commands. And he, he, he says, I, he saved them. He has put his name on them. He's like, I want you to operate in this way and look at this flourishing under my, my design. Now, what happens is, now the law, the law came to me. So the law, it's good. It's righteous. It's beautiful. It's full of God's character, and it shows his nature. It shows if we line up under it, it's flourishing. And then the law came to me, even as I'm here, and it's like, I want to do that. If you don't, I think, I think something's wrong with you. But that, that's a whole different thing. You want that to some degree. Who doesn't want flourishing in their life? Who doesn't want beautiful things to flourish and pop out of your life? I think everyone's like, I want that. So verse, what's interesting, verse 10 is the law came to me, Paul is now speaking on a subjective level that the law has, has come to him. And listen to what it says in, in verse uh, 10. It says, the very commandment that promised life. So he's saying like, that's a, the character and nature of God's law is beautiful and it promises 
life. There's a promise of life if there's obedience. And then listen to what the Israelites said as they received the Ten Commandments. It says this in Exodus 24, verse 3. It says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and the rules. Here's, here's what God says. And all the people to answer with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I, I want to do that. I'm going to follow you, Lord. Now, this is what most people think Christianity is about. They think, okay, the law, the law is good and it's righteous. And it's these commandments that I need to obey to, to really achieve being a Christian. A lot of us are like, I'll promise to do that. See, Christianity is not about following the rules or trying to know it. But most of us think the law has come so we can achieve. That's how most people take the law the second times. And this is even what it says uh, in verse 9 about Paul's experience is that it promised life. And then for even in verse 9, it says, And I once lived apart from the law, but when the law, uh, uh, when, the, when the commandment came to me, since uh, sin came alive and, and I died. And so uh, there's, there's an idea here that, that there's a promise of life that he actually thought he was doing pretty well. It says, I once was alive, is what it says. And so most of us hear the Ten Commandments, it's like, this is something I got to do, I need to achieve, I will do it, God. And what's interesting, Paul's saying, at one point, I received the law this way. And he says, I felt alive. So I thought I was a Christian. I thought I was doing well. I thought I belonged to God by receiving the law the second way. I'm going to achieve. It actually says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, and it's on the screen. It actually says, under the law, Paul's saying, under the law, I was blameless. I was achieving it perfectly. And he says, I thought I had life. Um, now, this is most of our experiences. And I, and, I, and I want you to consider, is this your experiences? I'll, I'll share. Paul's about to share his. I'll share mine. So I grew up in a Christian home. I thought, you know, there is a God, and uh, there, there is Ten Commandments. And the only problem was I was never good enough. So I, I said I believe in God, but then I go live my life. I always like, God, I need a second chance. It just, you know, back and forth. Never could achieve it. And then uh, I, I went to college, became more of an agnostic, and then drank deep, deep over the world and all, all that it offers. Like, well, that's vanity too. That's empty. So what I try to do is like, well, you know what? I'm going to go back to being good. I was like, you know, being depraved in itself is not delivering. So I'm going to stop being bad. Now I'm going to start trying to be good by the Ten Commandments. And that's what I thought Christianity is or was, is that I need just to be a little bit better. And this is what Paul is saying, is that he, he thought he was good. He thought he understood Christianity. He, he thought it was like, man, I was bad. Now, now I need to be good. Now, what's interesting here, what's interesting here in verse 9, it says, it says this. It says, I once was alive. So this is when the law, he thought he was nailing the law. He's like, man, I thought I was achieving it. I thought I was doing well. I once was alive apart from the law, but when... But when the law, uh, uh, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Now, this is the third aspect of the law. So the law came. So most of us, when we hear the Ten Commandments, like, I got to do that or God's going to get me. Or I got to do this because I want a better life. If that's how you receive it, that's just the second way of viewing the law. The, the third way is what Paul says, the law came to me. Now, what's super interesting is Paul is saying the law came to him. Now, the, 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 the question is, did Paul already know the law? 
when the law, when he says the law came to him? Well, absolutely. He grew up in a Jewish home. Do you think he knew the law? Yes. He was a student of Gamaliel. Do you think he was being taught by the law by, by his rabbi? The answer is yes. So what does it mean that the law came to him? Is this the first time Paul's hearing about the law? The answer is absolutely not. He was very well acquainted with the law. And he says, under the law, I was blameless. So it can't mean this is the first time he's hearing about the law. So what does it mean when he says the law came to me? He finally understood the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was not to achieve, but actually show the deception that lives in his heart. The law came to me. He's actually sharing his experience of what, what the law, the progression of the law does. He saw it's good and it's holy. Then he saw, man, I got to achieve it. But then he saw the law came to me. He had a subjective awakening like, man, I, I don't really understand what I think I do. I think I have life, but I don't. I'm, I think I'm achieving Christianity. He's actually showing my, my failure. So let, let's listen to what it says here. It starts in verse 7. If the law is going to come to you, you got to understand the law is not something for you to achieve. It's not something for you to achieve. It's actually to expose you, to lay you bare. It says to deceive you. It's meant to kill you, to slay you, to bring you to the death of yourself. That's the purpose of the law. The law is perfect and good. If the law is perfect and good, what's the purpose then? It's to show you what? You are not perfect and good. Now, verse uh, 7, it says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would, have not, uh, would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But since seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, uh, sin lies dead. So what, what, what in Paul's, uh, he's, he's given a, a personal testimony right here. What, what slayed him? What commandment? The 10th. He's going down the, the checklist like, man, have no other God before me, nailing it. I honor my father and mother, I honor my father and mother doing that. I haven't committed adultery. I'm not stealing. But then he gets to 10. Because what right now, most of us think, as Paul did, that Christianity is about, more about external behavior than an internal heart problem. Now, covet, can you see coveting in someone's life? Well, you can see the outworkings of covetousness, but can you see covetousness in someone else's own heart? The answer is no. So he's looking at his life. He's like, dude, I'm blameless, righteous, but then don't covet crosses his heart. He's like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is not what I thought. Like Houston, I have, I have a, a heart problem because covetousness is not something that you can morally change, but he's actually being crossed by the laws. And man, my sin, my sin is not what I thought it was. It's, it's, it's rooted uh, in, in my heart. Now, what's interesting about covetousness, it's so dishonoring God, but this, it's, an envy, it's, an envy, it's an envious life. It's looking at someone else's life and it's like, I wish I had their life. It is, it is a self-pity. It's, it's, it's a victim mentality. It's like, I wish my life was different. If I was God, I would do a little bit differently. It is a, it's a grumbling, it's a grumbling heart towards God. That, that's covetousness, because you're saying, if I had what they had, I'd be okay. And that, that's a lie, but that's a sin against God. Why? Because you are discontent for who God is in your life at a very heart level. You're not okay how God is running your life. You think that's a, you think that's a, little, a little deal or a big deal? That's a huge deal. He's like, God, you're getting it wrong. That's covetousness. You're not, you're not, you're not doing what I would do. Now, this gets in really to 
verses eight and nine, there's a, a, the covetousness showed the perversity of Paul's sin nature. And, and it's, it shows the perversity of our, our sin nature. So sin is not just external issues or trying to clean it up. Our sin nature is a perverse heart. It's a desire to do something for no other reason than it's forbidden. It's just, so when the commandments come, it says it makes it come alive or it, it made me sin all the more. Why? Because you know why we sin? You know why we sin? Because we all want to be God. We, we, we like, I hear the commandments, but I don't want to do that because I'd like to have my own commandments. I'd like to do my own thing. See, there's a joy. See, this is the heart and the nature under sin. It's a joy in wrongdoing for its own sake. See, the reason why we do what we do is we like it. Now, that's the per- perversity of it. There's a nature. It's not just like do this. We won't do it. Why? Because there's a joy in, in doing the sin. Why? Because we, we simply want to do what we want. That's the God, pl- God complex that comes in our heart. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give you a few examples. Augustine, which Paul gave a few, few uh, illustration a few sermons ago. Augustine was, uh, he was a theologian, uh, you know, uh, a preacher. And he, he talks about this iniquitous heart that he so enjoyed. He, he uh, lived in a vineyard and near the vineyard was a pear tree. And him and his buddies knew they couldn't have the pear trees. At night, went to go steal the pears. Not because he liked pears. Actually, he didn't like pears. He just did it. Why? To do it. And then he threw the pears to the pigs. Why? Because he didn't like pigs. Why? Because he wanted to disobey. And there's the joy of an iniquitous heart. We do it because we like to do it. Why? Because we want to say that we are God. Now, if you have kids, you know this is true. It's like, don't do that. They don't even matter what it is. Like, they're like, well, I'll try it. Why do they do that? It's like, don't do that. They're, they're going to try it. And you, you may have like, you know, blind eyes. They're trying it. All right, I'll give you an example. Deacon's at wrestling practice. Like, don't get on that mat and jump off, right? I turned my back for two seconds. You know where he's at? He's on there jumping off. He's all, and then I call him on. It's like, Deacon, I told you not to get on this. Like, I wasn't all the way on it. Okay. That's just iniquitous heart. He did it for no other reason. Why? Because I told him not to do it. Now, maybe you're, this may, may go well or not, but if, it, if it's like, 70, 75 miles an hour. How fast are you going? 85. For me, see, I'm better than you. 73, right? Say, I'm not going that much over, but I'm not going to submit fully. Why? Because you told me to do it. I don't want to do it. I mean, you come to me, you tell me to do something. You know what's in my heart. I feel it right away. I don't want to do that. Why? Because you told me to. This is the problem in our hearts. It's not the, the law that's a problem. It's our heart. If someone says you can't, you know what your heart springs to say? I will. I want to be my own God. The underlying ultimate motive for sin is we want to be God. That's the first temptation. That's the first temptation to Adam and Eve. You can, you can be like God, and that's, that's the sin. We want to be self-sovereign until you see that, until you see it. You'll never come to Christ. See, the law is meant to expose you at the heart level that you are more wicked and perverse than you can see without the law. The law brings it out of you, lays dormant. You can deceive yourself, but the law says, no, 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 this is who you are. Now, what's so interesting is the law, the law, you can, you can, try, to, you can try to play God in two ways. And, and, and Paul was the first. It's like, I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep the law. And so this leads to self-righteousness. A lot of us in here is like, you go to church, you know the Ten Commandments, you're doing pretty good. Not great, because you're hoping God grades on the curve. But the idea is like, man, I'm gonna keep the Ten Commandments because if I can keep 
keep the, the, the Ten Commandments, then God, I don't need you. Jesus, you're not my Savior. I'm my own Savior. And if you can be your own Savior, you know what you can do with your life? Whatever you want. That's what we want. So you may even look like you have a very moral life. But in your morality, all you're trying to say to Jesus is like, I'm not as bad as you say I am, and I'm going to do what I want. You know how wicked that is? Do you know how many people that go in church all the time saying, I'm good without you, God. I'm going to follow the rules. Jesus, yeah, it's all right. I can add it to my life, but I'm not as bad as you say. If that's you, that's how you are, are stiff-necked towards God. And the law hasn't really came to you to slay you. And there's another way. If the root issue is simply, I want to be God, is the Ten Commandments you see in the culture all today. There is truth. There is. There is truth in the problem with our hearts is we don't, we don't want there to be God. So licentious living is simply God says, there's a way that I've designed things. And our, 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 our perverse heart is like, I don't like that. Do you know why, you, you know why people drink too much? Because they, they want to push the boundaries. Like, I can do what I want. We'll see how that goes, right? You want to know why, um, you know, people steal. I mean, it's, it, there's that perverseness. And I'm, I'm going to say something. I know I'm going to offend a lot of people, but that's not the purpose. But it just shows you our Nicholas heart. You know why homosexuality and transgender is so appealing? It's because we have an iniquitous heart. God, you say this, I want to do something different. That's the sin underneath the sin. We don't want anyone telling us what to do, the religious or the irreligious. And that's the perverseness in our own heart. Now, the reason why Paul's taking this to his, you know, the law came, the law came, the law came to me. The result of the law is it is good, but it brings a death of self. Listen to what it says uh, in, in verse 11. It says, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, deceived me, through, uh, through, uh, and, and through it, it killed me. The point of the law is to bring you to the death of yourself. So you can come to terms that you have a perverse heart. Now, you may do it differently, self-righteous or licentiousness, but we all do it. We have a perverse heart. We don't want God. And this sin or the law is to show us, man, that's, that's the nature of our own heart, and it's meant to kill you. But here's the good news about Christianity. The result of the death of yourself is that you can be made alive in Christ. So the point of the death of Jesus is resurrection. The point of the death of uh, and confession of our Nicholas heart is not to bring you into condemnation, but to bring you into combination, the approval of God. See, the 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 the... The call of God through the commandments is, is come and die and live in Christ. Is that how you've come? Or is it try to be self-preserving? It, it is a come and confess that, that I am a wicked sinner that wants to be you. And that you confess and you come to the end of yourself and you come alive in Christ. See, Christianity is all about death, the death, the death of self unto the beauty of Christ. Is that, is that how you've come? That's, that the commandments came so you can die, so you can live in Christ. One way that I like to say it, and it's an old hymn, it says, lay your deadly doings down, down at Jesus' feet, and stand in him alone. In him alone, you can stand glorious complete. We all come different ways. The law comes to us to show his holiness. The law comes to us to show that we think we can do it, and the law comes to us to slay us, to show that only Christ could, that he fulfilled the law, that he died our death, and he rose to life so we can have life. Christianity is like come and die, but when you die, there's beauty in Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us respond by faith, that we'd trust you at your word, that the commandments would cross us this morning, 
that it would show us not only your goodness, but our self-righteous hearts that, that, that play out in different ways, but more importantly, the perverseness that, that we want to be God. And Jesus died in our stead. His self-sacrifice, his self-love, man, will rid us of our God complex and we'd surrender to Christ and come alive in Christ that we can confess our sin, our, per, our, our perverseness, and know that's dealt in full at the cross, and we can stand complete in Christ, righteous in Christ, alive in Christ, new creations in Christ. Christianity is not, not about being bad, not being good. It's about being a new creation who now loves you, Father, who wants to honor you, Father, who wants to do your will, to have a new relationship through Christ. Help us to be devoted to him as he's been so devoted to us. God, I pray that you'd rid us of ourself this morning and pull us up with Jesus. I ask that in his name. Amen.